Aloha and welcome to Mom Interrupted. This is a podcast where you can find all those conversations you never got to quite finish. The aim of this podcast is to bring you a wide variety of healing modalities and wisdom from special guests as well as myself. The point of all of this is so we can continue to grow and heal and discover all different parts of ourselves while showing up as an attached and committed parent. I want to show my listeners that you don't have to lose yourself to be the best mom. It actually helps to continue to find yourself. I'm Courtney, your host. I'm the mom of five amazing children, as well as an intuitive parenting coach and a health and wellness advocate. I hope you enjoy the show. Aloha, welcome to Mom Interrupted. You know me. Thank you as always for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. And I am here to hopefully offer you support in that time that you're listening. So I hope, um, I hope I am. And if you ever have any questions, comments, even thoughts or ideas for things that you would like to see, hear me talk about or guests that you would like to have me um, interview in this arena, feel free to email me. Uh, my email is in the show notes. It's paratoryc at gmail.com. Um, yeah, reach out, Become, be an active part of this community, join our Facebook group and get involved there, talk story with other moms and um, learn from others' experiences so you can feel supported and not alone. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like, subscribe, and share. If you are listening, please do the same thing, um, purely so that more people can find us and we can... Um, You know, change the world one listener at a time, one mom at a time, one parent at a time, one person at a time. Um, I also do work with parents and help them with things like our topic today, which is nonviolent communication, but really about um, tapping into our own sense of deeper knowing, our own sense of intuition within ourselves and also in the relationships that we have with our children so that we can feel like we are supporting them in every step of the way, exactly how, how they need. Is it going to be perfect? No. But when we take that time to tune in and we take that time to dive deeper with them, we create a much more lasting and fulfilling relationship. And we get to just, just enjoy being with our kids and having fun with them. I spend 99.9% of my time, especially since COVID, but even before then, with my children. And I find it a fulfilling and joyful pursuit most of the time. No children are perfect. No family is perfect. I do want to pull my hair out at times. So always be easy with yourself and know that we are human and we are all showing up and doing the best we can. And if you know of anyone that would benefit from this, tune them in. Let them know that we are here to support them on this journey and support their children at the same time. So last Monday, I released an episode on nonviolent communication which is um, someone had me reframe because they felt like nonviolent was a little bit, you know, adding, talking about the negative side of things. So, you know, compassionate communication is also a way that we can, we can go about speaking about, about this. Um, and in our families, communication is the number one key we have to having harmony, harmony in the home. Um, and if we fall into bad patterns or children fall into bad patterns, if, 
it's vice versa. They fall into bad patterns. We get sucked into those patterns. We might not have never, um, sorry, not have never, what kind of language is that? We might not ever have been taught or, or modeled a positive way to communicate and, um, it might be a foreign concept, but it's so inspiring when you feel like you have a tool that can move you and your family forward in a way that um, allows each person to be their authentic self. So the um, previous episode I recorded was on how we can speak using nonviolent communication. And a quick overview, there's four steps. We observe what's going on. We link it to a feeling. We state what we need to happen and we, made a con- we make a concrete request so that the other person knows how they can actually fulfill our needs. Now, especially when we're thinking about speaking with children, but in my experience with many, many, many full-grown adults, they don't have the tools and the skills. They haven't been taught this, so they don't observe what's going on with them, say how they feel, um, state, you know, what they need and give you a solid request because that's foreign, you know, it, especially as women. So many of us, um, feel like, uh, we shouldn't be so, um, honest maybe with what we need, or we shouldn't say that we need, I guess that's what it is as women. We're like, or as people, as parents, we we don't want to say, Oh, I need something. Um, we go in the martyr route, right? So this way of communicating, it's really beautiful because it actually helps you understand where your boundaries are, what you need help with, what you really want to see happen. And it gives you that voice to know that you have to stand up and do these steps and take ownership of your feelings and your needs and your desires. And in turn, you're giving other people, your children, your partner, your extended family and your community permission to do the same thing. And what if instead of walking around guessing what everyone needed, what, how we could help them fulfill their needs, how they're feeling, we were told and we didn't have to become mind readers. But what I'm going to teach you today is really cool because it is a little bit like mind reading. It's like, it's, it's, it has an essence of magic in it that makes it fun to learn and fun to do because what you're really doing is tapping into your own empathy, your own ability to connect with another person and to feel what they're feeling deeply, to allow yourself to guide them as they are communicating to, um, to help, you're almost like a detective, right? You're going to help them uncover what is going on, what the feeling is that's being associated with that, what they need to feel happy or safe or calm in that situation and a solid request on how you could foster that for them. And what you're doing is you're giving the person that you're speaking with permission to, to need things, to um, have their needs fulfilled and met, to understand their feelings, to give them a sense of emotional intelligence. And when we're talking about children, this is so beautiful. We're cluing them in to their feelings and their needs. And we're, sh- we're literally, with how we're talking to them, telling them you're important your needs, your feelings, what, how I can help you. Those are important to me. And now instead of me running around trying to figure out and just keep you happy, we have concrete ways to do it. So it's pretty cool because as you know, I do do intuitive parenting work. And this is a 
major piece of it. And it takes so much of the guesswork out because we're using the language of clarity. We're using a way of really getting to the bottom of what's going on um, with our words. So we don't have to do as much guessing. But when it starts, when we're working with a partner or a child or another person in our life that hasn't heard this, doesn't understand it, and now we're having a conversation and it's getting difficult, we can use our empathy to steer the conversation into into a direction of healing and expansion and beauty instead of contraction and anger and anxiety. So it's beautiful. I also want to totally um, admit and confess to you guys right now that like yesterday I tried my nonviolent communication and I got sucked in. I got sucked into the whirlpool of cloudy emotions and what is going on um, and not owning my own things. And so I also want to tell you it's messy. It's a lifelong process. Please be easy with yourself. It is not something that you're going to wake up tomorrow and have down pat, but your desire to expand in this way will um, give you the momentum to move forward in um, just just be easy with yourself. Don't beat yourself up over any mistakes that you make. We're all trying. Um, and the steps of nonviolent communication or compassionate communication are really um, a beautiful way to get back up and try again. So one quote that I really love from the book is, um, talks about presence and when we're receiving empathically. This is our part of the conversation where we are receiving the information that the person is attempting to communicate. And it says, don't just do something, stand there. And what does that mean? It means so many times when we think we are listening, we're really waiting for an opportunity to speak. And that waiting for an opportunity to speak can sometimes block what is meant to come out um, or make us not able to receive it um, empathically because we're not really on that level. We're thinking of, well, I'm going to say this when they say that. This is what I'm going to say next. I can't believe they said this thing. I'm going to come back at them with this. And we're now strategizing the conversation. We're taking ourselves out of the present moment, which is the, the beauty of this and the place where healing can happen. And we're, we're starting to strategize battle plans or even if not battle plans, we're just not necessarily really hearing what that person feels, needs, wants, and how we can help them. So the first thing I would say to you, if this all seems really foreign and you are already like, wow, this is a lot of information and I feel a little overwhelmed, breathe while someone's speaking to you, breathe and do your best to be truly present in that moment, um, especially if it's a topic of conflict or a topic of, um, of high emotions, maybe not even conflict, somebody else is feeling very upset or very um, amplified. And so breathe and become present in this moment instead of scrambling to think, how can I band-aid this? Um, how can I prevent this? How can Just be in the moment. Be present because that is where the clues and the magic for what that person really needs is going to become apparent. Um, so that the the best thing that you can do, the best thing you can um, start with, is learning how to to listen. And I was recently um, leading like a small workshop for a group of women that I work with on this topic, and one of the women had a very pertinent question, and she said, "You know." 
Why is it up to me, if I'm in a conversation with somebody, having to be emotionally intelligent for both of us? And I get that. I have relationships and people in my life where I feel like I have to be the emotionally intelligent one. And after a while, it's, it's hard. And so nothing is perfect. But the thing is, is if you can really drop into being empathetic and you can drop into really wanting to help and to understand and to connect, then the need to be right or the need to um, not have to do this quote unquote extra work, it kind of goes by the wayside because the success that you receive when someone understands that you're really listening, that you're really there with them, um, and that they get to actually state some feelings, some needs and some requests for help or for um, support in that, it's exciting. And it actually, um, I, what I told to her is it's almost a selfish act because have you guys ever been in a conversation where maybe you left the conversation and you were right? You scored the most points. They didn't get anything over on you. You were right. And yet you feel like shit and you feel like that conversation didn't go how you wanted and you don't feel really complete in your victory. You feel sad that you weren't able to connect on into that deeper place that you were hoping. And so I guess what I would say to you is that when you're doing this compassionate communication and when you're um, being an empath and receiving empathically, it, it really benefits you. And, um, and so if that makes it easier, if it's somebody that's like running into a brick wall every time you talk to them and you are now resentful and a little bit angry and don't necessarily want to have to do their emotional legwork and um, realize that, hey, I'm going to walk away from this conversation with my head held high, feeling really authentic in our communication and that I really tried to listen and to work with this person. And then if that didn't work, You don't have anything to apologize for, to feel guilty about, to beat yourself up over later. You have the confidence of knowing you handled yourself in that conversation with authenticity and you showed up exactly how you wanted to show up and there's nothing more that you could have done. Like for example, for me yesterday when I got like dragged down into the bogs of what started as a conversation and turned into like a a conflict was the fact that like, there was no right at the end of it. I felt like shit for making this other person not feel their best. I don't think they felt very well good for making me not feel my best. Nobody won. And we both walked away feeling a little bit more torn up and, and less at ease. So even though the instant gratification of anger is something that we've all really evolved with and come to understand and in it, in the moment, it feels beautiful. Five minutes later, it feels awful. So, um, it's, it's not really worth it, but we all make mistakes. So be easy with yourself. I yell at my kids. I lose it. Sometimes I am far, 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 very far from perfect, but I have a desire to continue to evolve and grow. And I think that is what you should focus on. If you feel discouraged or, um, out of sorts or a conversation just doesn't go in this beautiful, um, theoretical way that we're talking about right now. We're all human. Humans are messy. Be easy with yourself. I'm also going to speak on anger in a little bit because it actually, um, this book has a really fun way of still being able to express that anger, but not, um, 
needing to express violence behind your words and and I like that I like the thought of that of realizing sometimes we do need to shout we do need to scream we do need to release these um, heavy held emotions but we don't have to do it at the cost of anyone else um, but first I'm going to talk, sorry, as I blabbed on for 15 minutes, I am now going to, this part is a little bit, um, shorter than the po- previous podcast because it is the same exact tools, but we're using it, um, in a mirror, right? So someone comes to you and they are very, very, um, upset. They're very sad. They're very hurt. They're very, all of these things, and yet they aren't, haven't quite inspected it. And so now they're communicating with you. Well, since you're not in that amplified emotion, you're in a beautiful position to help them uncover, first of all, the observation of what happened. So they're going to come to you and they're going to have a situation and in that situation, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of chaos. While you're receiving this with an open, compassionate heart, you can go behind the scenes, go behind the curtain of the perceived hurt or the perceived threat or their perceived problem into why it's triggering them so deeply. Um, So let me see if I can think of, if I can redo an example. Um, First, I just wanted to read this one more quote that says, the hearing that is only in the ears is one thing. The hearing of the understanding is another, but the hearing of the spirit is not limited to any one faculty, to the ear or to the mind. Hence, it demands an emptiness of all faculties. We don't need our mind to, right? We need to be present in the moment. So let me think if I can find you a good example. Okay, so here is a husband's statement. What good does talking to you do? You never listen, okay? Now, I'm sure you're like me, and, and if someone says that statement to you, you've had, well, well, I talk all the time, and you don't ever hear, and da 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 Okay, so we could go off. We could go flip real quick in defensive mode, really jump and dive into defensive mode and get into this fight that we didn't want to have in the first place. Or... We could take a deep breath and we could observe. Are you feeling unhappy with me? Um, When you say with me, you, okay. So when we say that, we're taking taking that guilt onto ourselves. We are now making ourselves the victim of it. And that isn't going to help anyone. But what we can do is we can say, are you unhappy because you're needing Right? So now we can connect. I'm observing that you're unhappy and I'm trying to investigate and inquire um, what you need. And so normally that need will be in the clue, a clue in the conversation. Um, and we have to put on our big girl pants, right? Or big boy pants and really take a deep breath and be present in the moments even when someone's coming to us with a complete that feels personal to us, we have to be able to observe, wow, you seem really angry and upset right now, okay? That's just a statement of something that is, right? You seem really angry and upset right now. I'm not judging you. 
why are you so angry and upset? What do you have to be upset about? Okay. Right there. That's like, I see that you're angry. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm pushing it back at you. Please go away. That's, that's what that statement's saying, right? But if we just have an open observation and we're not attached to their emotions, but we're helping investigate it. Wow. You seem really upset right now. That's an observation. Um, what do you need to feel calmer? What do you need to feel more at ease in this moment? Now, the other person, they might not know. They might still be caught up in the cycle of upsetment, of upsetment, of upsetment. But what we need to really do is if, if someone comes to us and says, you make me so angry. Okay. Well, we could take that personally and be like, oh my God, what did I do? Why are you so mad? You're always mad. Right. And it devolves quickly. But we can also take the time to say, wow, you seem really angry right now. You know, what do you need to feel less angry? And they might go, well, I don't know. You just, you, 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 you make me angry. Oh, okay. So being around me seems to make you upset right now. Um, do you think you need to maybe go for a walk for five minutes, clear your head and come back to the conversation? Um, and maybe they'll say no. Maybe they'll say, no, I want to stretch here. <laughs> okay, well, do you need me to, to listen to you? Do, you? do you have some venting that you need to do that you want to just get off your chest right now and I can, I can listen and, and be here with you? Would that make you feel better? And you'll see how much the tension goes out of people when they realize you're actually going to take the time and you actually want to hear them, right? They're going to go, wow, okay. Because so many of us don't, um, so many of us don't get hurt, right? So that's, um, that's like can change so much of our world when someone feels like they're really heard and like you think their needs are important and that you feel invested in in their happiness or in their emotional well-being and that you're willing to to sit there and to listen with them and this does not mean you're running around putting band-aids on it for them it means you're you're with them and they feel held and they feel they're in a safe container to investigate what they need. Maybe what they need is, I need to just, I'm really, like, they come to you and nothing goes right and everything's gone wrong and, and you know, I just had the worst day and, you know, it seems like whenever I try, it just, go, it just goes awful and I don't know what to do. You know, wow, you sound really, like, overwhelmed and, and upset right now. How can I help you with that? What do you need? And then they're going to have to actually think. Very few of us have, haven't given ourselves permission to think of what we need. So for somebody else to ask us to acknowledge that we have needs and they're willing to help us with that, it's so beautiful. You know, what do you need? I don't know. I just needed someone to talk to. I needed to not sit here and have you fix my problems, but I need, I just need someone to talk to. 
And then if you have the time in that moment, you could say, great, let's go. You know, I'm going to go make a cup of tea and I want to sit here and I want to, I want to hear you vent. I want to hear how you're overwhelmed and I just want to listen, right? Or maybe you don't have time in that moment. We are all busy people, busy parents. Sometimes our kids come to us with concerns and needs that in that moment aren't realistic for us to meet. Do you know what's worse than saying to them, in this, you know, right now, mommy is in the middle of work or she's in the middle of making dinner and I can't, um, I can't sit and listen to you right now, but in 20 minutes, you can have my full undivided attention, right? Because the worst thing that we can do is not always go, "Uh uh-huh, okay, well, you know, I'm sorry, like, it's really not that bad, and I don't know why you're so upset. I'm way more overwhelmed right now because I'm trying to make dinner and nurse your baby brother and clean the bathroom, whatever, right? And then we've taken our children who, who maybe their, their, their upsetment to us seems trivial, but to them is, is a very big deal. And we've kind of told them that their needs and their problems are trivial. So creating that blank space, that blank canvas for you to be open and receptive. And also if you need to help someone fulfill their needs or you're a part of their need, making sure it fits your schedule too. So you can actually consciously sit there and listen. I think the best thing we can do in our families is to be really honest when we have that capacity, when we don't have that capacity. The best thing we can do in our relationships is the same thing. I think we've all been exhausted by that friend who needs a lot from us and we don't put up some boundaries or have some parameters of, I would love to listen to what's going on in your world. Let's sit down tomorrow afternoon at noon or whatever. Obviously there's emergency situations where people need immediate attention and we love them until we drop everything and we do that. But we also need to honor our own needs and what's going on in our world in the midst of all of this. So I'm going to read you a scenario right now because it's really, um, beautiful to watch how it weaves through the emotions and until emotional intelligence and awareness is gained. So the wife says, she's a bad therapist. And the nurse is is listening empathically. Um, And she says, oh, are you feeling annoyed and wanting to see a different quality of care? Then the wife says, she doesn't do anything. She made him stop walking when his pulse got high. And the nurse says, Oh, is it because you want your husband to get better that you're scared if the physical therapist doesn't push him, he won't get stronger? And then the wife starts to cry. Yes, I'm so scared, right? Um, And then the nurse says, are you scared of losing him? The wife says, we've been together so long. Now the nurse is really listening. Are you worrying about how you would feel if he dies? I just can't imagine how I'm going to live without him. He's always been there for me, always. So you're sad when you think of living without him? There's no one else beside him. He's all I have. You know, my daughter won't even talk to me. It sounds like when you think of your daughter, you feel frustrated because you wish you had a different relationship with her. I wish I did, but she's such a selfish person. I don't know why I even bothered having kids. A lot of good it does me. Hmm, It sounds like you might be somewhat angry and disappointed because you're wanting more support from your family during your husband's illness. And it goes on, right? But do you see how the nurse is able to, instead of being defensive and angry that this person is criticizing things that are are going on at the place that she's working, she's realizing that what's behind this woman's anger is in fact, she's scared and she's overwhelmed and she's sad. 
And she, the nurse doesn't listen to the angry words. She listens to the emotions behind it. Um, it's hard. It's hard, especially for that difficult conversation we're emotionally invested in. It's very, very tricky. But um, it's also so rewarding when you watch someone process in real time their own emotions, why they're acting away, how these things came up. And it's really, really, really fun to do with your kids because they might come in, you know, they might have burst into tears over what seems like a trivial matter to you. Wow, you're, you know, you're, you're really, really upset right now. What happened? You know, how can I help you? And then maybe it's, well, my brother took my toy, but the fact is, is that I'm the youngest and my toys are always taken. I'm always like, it's, it's really hard, you know? And so we can go into that with our littler one where like, they might be really upset and it might seem so trivial to us as, as adults, but it, it's rooted in something deeper. It's rooted in like, I don't feel like I have control over my, my toys, or I don't feel like I have control over what is mine, what is somebody else's. And our kids are trying so hard to figure out how to navigate all of these avenues that it's really, really up to us to help them name their emotions, help them dive deeper into what would help those emotions be relieved. And so if this concept seems hard to you in a wider world, it is really, really easy to do with our children because I don't know about you, but it's pretty unconditional, the amount of love that I have for them. And so I really want them to be successful. I really want them to feel good. So I could band-aid and make their world perfect, but to me, that's not the level of authenticity that I want to see in my family. I want them to be responsible for their own happiness, for their own feelings, and to have the ability to speak their truth away from the family. If I don't show them how to uncover their emotions and their needs, then that's not a skill they're going to have when they go out into the wider world. And then they're with people that may not be so willing to take the time to uncover their needs and emotions. So this is such a beautiful tool that we can give them that then they get to go out in the world as emotionally intelligent people. And a lot of those conflicts that we get into because we aren't naming our emotions and we aren't um, honoring what's real for us don't come up for them. So that is really, really fun. Um, but we want to make sure when we are listening with empathy that there is no judgment like that. So let's, let me give you some examples. The first example is, you know, the person comes to you and says, how could I have been so stupid? Okay. Well, the reply that is here is nobody's perfect. You too hard on yourself. But do you see how, when you answer something like that, your intention is to make the other person feel better. Your intention is that you want to help them, but you're kind of, um, negating their pain or negating their struggle. So maybe they did something so stupid and what you, how could I do something so stupid? And you could say, wow, it sounds like you're, you made a mistake and you're really upset about that. Like what would make you feel better? Um, more comfortable with that mistake that you made? Or is there a way that you could look at it like a lesson for next time? But really, instead of going, oh, well, you know, da, 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 you're, 
fine. You're not stupid. It was just a mistake. It's not a big deal. You're not actually listening. You're just trying to solve their problem for them. The thing, the difference between this is when we're listening this way, yes, we might be helping them uncover their hidden emotions and needs, but we're helping them uncover them so they are empowered to solve those problems. We are not doing it for them. And I guess that was the difference that I was trying to explain to somebody earlier was like, it's not that you're doing all the work for the person. You're modeling how they can, can do the work and how they can continue on to be doing it that way. Maybe they'll be receptive, maybe they won't be, but you're not band-aiding it. Um, let's see, sorry, my computer just died. Okay, so um, here's another thought. If you ask me, we ought to ship all these immigrants back to where they came from. And then the person says, do you think that would really solve anything? Okay, those are triggering remarks. In our country right now, there are so many triggering remarks, especially when it comes to differences in race, difference in colors, different in beliefs, right? Um, I'm gonna try to find it because in this book, there is such a beautiful example of the author being in a cab with a highly prejudiced person. And instead of him, um, him identifying with the anger that he was feeling, he got into, he was able to help that person uncover the root of that fear. And the fact that it's not the immigrants, it's the fear of, is there going to be enough for me? Um, so if somebody said, you know, something like, if you ask me, we ought to ship all these immigrants back to where they came from. Well, yes, as a person, we don't want to agree with that statement, but we don't have to agree with it. All we have to do is observe what's going on. Wow. It sounds like you have a lot of um, like heavy beliefs about the immigrants. Have you had, have you had a bad experience in your life with that? You know? And so now you're not telling them like, yeah, let's just bash them. But you're, you're inquiring deeper. Like, wow, this is a really heavy thing to say. Is there something else behind it? Is there some way I can actually help you clarify this belief and we can move forward instead of me just telling you, you know, you're a bad person, that's not gonna solve anything and we're all created equal and da da da, right? Um, okay, so. Okay, the person says, you aren't God. Right? <laughs> Are you feeling frustrated because you'd like me to admit that there can be other ways of interpreting this matter? Right? So somebody, you're having a discussion, you're having a conversation, and the person's like, well, what, what you think you know everything. And then they, oh, well, you know, is there a thought that you had that, that we could add to this that would help problem solve it? And I would love to hear, you know, something from you. And just creating that space. So what that empathy also helps us do in this conversation is we're reperceiving our world. Our world is constantly changing. We're, we're perceiving ourselves in it and we're helping others reframe their emotions, their place in the world, their needs, and really helping them dive deeper into, um, into what, what helps. And, you know, this too, just like the first part, it involves a degree of vulnerability on our part because we're not worried about protecting ourselves in conversations. We're worried about hearing what the other person is feeling, is needing, and is requesting from us. And so we're not trying to protect our belief systems and protect um, our point of view. We're trying to look for places of connection 
even with impossible people, we can say, we can get to the place where we understand why they feel that way. It might not still be acceptable in our world, but we don't need to shut it down right away because when we shut it down right away, we shut down the opportunity for their growth as well. So it's like a belief in others' ability to grow and change that really that really helps us. Um, let's see. So like in a situation where it's upsetting, when we listen to others' feelings and needs, we it's hard to see them as monsters. It starts to turn them into people. I think we've created in our society a big problem where we villainize anyone that doesn't share our opinions or um, that has differences. And we can then view them as less than us, different than us, monstrous. And it's easier to push them to the side, to not have to listen to what they have to say and to move forward. But what it seems to me that it's creating is a ton of divisiveness in our country and in our world. Um, and so finding that common ground, finding that place where we can really um, listen in and understand. <laughs> All right. And then I was going to talk about the anger part. Um, it's really fun when we express our anger in a nonviolent way because then we don't have that extra guilt and that extra hard time at the end of the at the end of it like i said earlier anger is this volatile emotion that when we're in the midst of it it feels good it burns through our whole body and we're in, enlivened and enraged and all of the things but we quickly it burns out and we're left feeling emptier and more upset so the nonviolent communication way of expressing anger might be like, um, let's see. You feel angry. Um, you might, you're going to shout it in a nonviolent way. So like the volume of things can be jarring to people and it can still bring a little bit of um, emotion to the surface. But if we're not attacking others and we're just observing what's going on, stating our emotions and you know what we need. So maybe walking into the house and, and having a bad day and, and saying, I had a really bad day today. I'm really, really feeling angry and I need to go for a walk for 10 minutes and then I feel like I will be calmer and I'll be able to come home and, you know, but you can still be loud. You can still express yourself clearly and concisely. You can still have anger. You just want to make sure that all of your statements are still within the parameters of the compassionate communication, because then once that anger burns out, it's burned out and it's gone. And you're not now in the, in the cycle of anger, guilt, anger, guilt, anger, guilt, and then guilty, anger, guilty, anger, right? You, you switch out of it. So... I know I'm kind of going a long time, so I would just wanted to, there's a couple more just really awesome um, pieces that I wanted to make sure I included. Oh, our internal dialogue. This is the piece that I think is so cool and so beautiful. 
is we have a lot of self-talk, many of us. We are, I don't know about you, but in my head, there's a conversation going 90% of the time. I try really hard to keep my mind clear, but you know, we have a lot of self-talk and a beautiful way to practice this and to also change some of our outward reality is changing how we're talking to ourselves. Instead of beating ourselves up of, I'm so stupid, I can't believe I did that, like what an idiot, la 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 la, you know? Wow, I'm really upset that I didn't remember his birthday. And, you know, it makes me feel really bad that I forgot to buy him a birthday present. Um, And so now I've said what's happened, I forgot to buy him a birthday present, and I'm really sad that I, and really angry with myself that I didn't remember his birthday. And then what do I need? How would I need to feel better in that moment? Well, I think if I called him up and, um, you know, had a conversation with him and told him, you know, what happened and why I forgot his birthday, I need to do that so that I don't feel bad about it anymore. And so that he knows how much I love him and that I remembered his birthday, whatever the scenario may be, whatever the example may be. In our self-talk, if we can, we can skip the step of creating more anxiety for ourselves, telling ourselves how worthless we are, how stupid we are, how many mistakes we made, why didn't we know that, why didn't we know this, how could this have happened, how couldn't we have seen the other thing, I think we're all the hardest on ourselves. So I want to invite you to also involve this type of communication into your self-talk. And to teach your children that same thing, because our children can be very, very hard on themselves. And so this is a cool way where, you know, when we're hard on ourselves, we're not actually accomplishing anything. We're just beating ourselves up. So the cool thing about this is it takes the, what happened, the feeling that we have, and it tries to help us think, is there a way that I can relieve this feeling? or I can um, create some more harmony in my head. So I just also want to invite you to use this form of communication within your own self-talk as you're talking, you know, to yourself in any situation, um, in the dark of the night, in the middle of the day, wherever it is to really zone in on the fact that you deserve to compassionately communicate with yourself above all. And if you're going to go out in the world, compassionately communicate with others, but come to the home space of your own internal dialogue and not have that same courtesy for yourself, that's really sad. And um, I think once we practice it in our own inner dialogue, we're not so hard on the people in the world around us because a lot of times if we're really hard on ourselves, we're hard on others. Just by default, because we're like, well, I talk to myself like that. What's so wrong with talking to you like that? What's so wrong with talking to you like that? And then it creates more conflict, more disconnection, more disharmony. So a really cool tool, I think, if we start real micro is, is investigating our own self-talk and changing that dialogue within our head. And then branching that out once we feel really good there into our, either our children, our close friends and family, really modeling this, having real conversations with our children of, hey, I want to switch how we're communicating in this family and here are the tools I have on my wall. Observe, feelings, need, request. So that when conversations start to go sideways, we at least have a reminder, wait, am I handling this in the way that we've agreed in our family that we want to talk to each other? 
Um, so involve your whole family in the process. Don't keep it a secret. Involve them all. And then what's cool is you guys can help catch each other. You can help each other name emotions. You can help each other expand in a way that feels really, really awesome and also takes so much guesswork out of your job as a partner, as a friend, as a parent. You now aren't guessing you're really emotionally, intelligently moving through the world and the people around you are now starting to move through the world with this emotional intelligence that if enough of us got there, we wouldn't necessarily have to see a presidential debate like we just did. (laughs) Just saying. Um, So let's all take that responsibility on our own shoulders and, you know, change the world in our micro and blossom it out into our macro so that in the grocery store, you come across somebody and they don't speak kindly to you. You're not, oh, you fucking asshole, blah, blah, blah. But it's, oh, you know, wow, you seem really upset. What's going on? Or what, whatever whatever that is. And just not, um, not doing the things where either we carry everybody else's emotions and we don't know how to help them name them and we don't know how to process them and we're just blah, in a, in a bogged down mess. Um, this is just a place of beautiful emotional intelligence that we can have like lasting, loving connections and we can have disagreements and we can get angry and we can have all that, that grand maraud of emotions that being a human is, but with a sense of intelligence behind it and not the spiritual bypassing or gaslighting of everything is just divine all the time and da da da. Because That's another form of blocking people from who you are or your inner world or blocking yourself from the world around you is is not owning all of the emotions, the good, the bad, the ugly. They're all there. And that's why we're here. We're here to be human and we're here to live them. So if we can own them and have an emotional intelligence within ourselves and then we, we help that with our children, that is such a key step towards intuition because it's talking about what is going on and how we can... Um, create the changes we would like to see. So I know I'm kind of all over the place with this one. I would definitely um, advise anyone who this resonates with to either get the book Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg or check out their website, nvc.com. It is in the show notes. Um, They have a lot of like sayings that they give you. Um, They have a newsletter you can sign up for and you can just keep being re-inspired to do this because it's not easy. It's not like you're going to flip a switch when you get off of this and just everything's going to be perfect. Like I said yesterday, I've been doing this for years and yesterday it did not work out like that because we are still human. So give yourself grace in the process, but um, have fun with it too. And so thank you guys for listening. As always, I really appreciate you. Um, Anyone that wants to work with me, contact me. All my information's in the show notes. My website's in the show notes. Um, I have a couple free offerings. I have, if you're not watching this on YouTube, I do have a YouTube channel. Mostly it's my podcast recordings. um, So if you want to see what the guests look like, see what I look like, stuff like that, um, I'm going to try to beef it up a little bit more. I was thinking of breaking down the um, bigger components of what I'm trying to share with you guys on this podcast into little lessons that we can go on for refreshers and stuff. But that's all a work in progress because I do have five kids and a job, so doing the best I can here, but I hope this has helped been helpful and, um, supports you on your journey and helps, you know, this year where we have been so much closer to our family, so much, um, limited with where we can go out and about to, to have more harmony in the home 
by being able to communicate in this way and to meet the needs of, first of all, ourself and our family members and our friends and our community and all the, you know, beautiful utopian dream. So thanks so much. And until next time, have a beautiful rest of your day and a beautiful rest of your week. And thank you so much for the support. Aloha. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. I appreciate your support. In order to build this community one beautiful mama at a time, I would love it if you could share with anyone you feel called to, like, and subscribe. It also wouldn't hurt to leave an amazing review. That way we can get this healing message out to as many moms as possible. If you'd like to know more about what I'm up to, check out my website, mominterrupted.net. Also, feel free to drop me a line with any questions or comments at paratoryc at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the show notes. Enjoy and have a beautiful day. Aloha.